The following podcast is produced or sponsored by a community member. The content, views, and opinions expressed are those of the participants and do not reflect those of BMC or the town of Belmont. BMC welcomes your comments. Call us at 617-484-2443 or email us at, where is that Count Dracula? At access at belmontmedia.org. Well, that's what happens when you let Count Dracula try to run the board here. You know, you end up with the uh, end up with technical problems. So you see, I can blame it this time on someone else in the studio. Hello again, Happy Halloween! By the way, uh, we're recording this on October thirty first. We welcome you to another edition of the TOST Podcast with Coach Q. Uh, Count Dracula already left the studio, <laughs> but uh, we got Coach Q here on the Belmont Media Podcast Network. I'm Todd Bloniars. Of course, alongside Belmont High School head football coach Jan Kuman, and a reminder to all of our listeners that these shows are interactive. Your participation is welcome. If you have any questions for the coach, log into Twitter. Be sure, be sure to use the hashtag uh, Q's for Q. That's Q S F O R Q. And I already checked it. Sadly, again, no questions. But uh, but uh, we we encourage. We will keep encouraging. It's out there. The hashtag is out there. We put it out with all of our uh, links. Uh, don't forget, you can also follow Coach on Twitter at Q underscore Coach along with BHS Football, at Marauder F-Ball, and, of course, our Time Out for Sports Talk Twitter handle is at TOSTBMC. I'm sure you know all of these by heart by now. And uh, you can also become a fan of our show by following us on Facebook and searching Time Out for Sports Talk. Well, Coach, on this Halloween, uh, the one question I have to ask as we uh, kick off the show, uh, uh, what would you think of that Garoppolo trade? No. <laughs> Yeah, you know no, me, man. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a. No, we'll get. To, we'll, I, all right, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. That was kind of a. That was my attempt at humor. Again. <laughs> but, uh, no, we'll, we will definitely get to some uh, non BHS football stuff later. But hey, we got to start with the uh, the football team, which uh, uh, we actually we got a couple weeks to catch up on here. And uh, you know, first of all, congratulations on uh, the first win. I know Thank it's you. Uh, been a been a while coming, so I'm glad uh, that happened. Of course, it has to be a game I, I unfortunately can't attend, but uh, <laughs> but I, I'm uh, glad you guys uh, got the win uh, last week against Cambridge. Um, something that I know we touched uh, I, I touched upon a little bit of this a couple of weeks ago, and uh, actually I guess looking at these last two games, even the the loss the week before against Arlington, uh, I kind of mentioned you know how do you keep uh, the players up and motivated through a season where you're kind of struggling, you know, you're struggling to get that first win. And as was evidenced uh, by the last two games, I mean, you guys score a season high 28 points in both of those games, unfortunately coming up short against Arlington, but it was it was enough for you to beat Cambridge yeah. last week. So, I mean, I think, and you kind of talked to this point too when we were last uh, doing this, saying that these players, you know, they are still playing hard. They're fighting hard every week. They're showing up, they're competing. And, uh, you know, finally, you know, it, it it paid off in a win. Yeah, I mean, I think like one of our one of our central team identities is is to kind of constantly say that we're you know we're living in the repetition and and almost every every repetition is a is a almost a new season in and of itself and every game is a new season in and of itself and you know we're trying really hard not to not to be thinking about the past and trying really hard not to think about the future until until the game is over um, and so our guys really embrace that going into the week and. Um, they embraced it on on Friday night um, against Cambridge. You know, Cambridge came back to tie um, in the fourth quarter, and, and we had to execute a drive and drive to win. And and so guys needed to stay level, and they needed to stay involved in the game plan and involved in their responsibilities. So I think that, excuse me, it's a really uh, central part of 
you know, who it is that we're trying to trying to be, you know, constantly is, is to say, let's focus on what we're doing in this individual moment and, and not think too much about the, the bigger picture. Because once you start thinking about that, you can get really outside of yourself. And uh, a lot of credit to our guys for their ability to do that. Yeah, I mean, obviously a great start uh, last Friday. You guys uh, have a 21-7 halftime lead. You mentioned, of course, Cambridge came back and uh, kind of set up uh, – for the uh, the final heroics from Tyler Reynolds in the in the closing moments, uh, let's talk about both Tyler and uh, Killian O'Connell. Who, uh, you know, and, and this was I guess mentioned in uh, in the recap too that uh, you know you guys found something that worked early. You were able to run the ball successfully. I, I know Cambridge had a lot of defensive issues because they were uh, in their previous game to you guys. They'd given up what seventy seven points or yep. something. So so obviously there was an opportunity for you guys to exploit some of that, and I, I think you finally did with the running attack. And talk about great balance. I mean. 22 carries, 221 yards for Tyler Reynolds, a season and I would say a career high. And then Killian O'Connell, 23 carries for 153 yards. Uh, Tyler has one touchdown, the game winner, and Killian scored the first three touchdowns. I mean, you know, so, I mean, 45 carries, 374 yards. All but 30 of yards of your offense came from those two guys running the ball. So just talk about how, how successful that, you know, you like you said, you found something that was working and you, and you stuck with it through the whole game. Yeah, I mean, we knew, we knew that Cambridge was a team that, that – was offensively very capable um they've put up a lot of points i think 20 uh 21 that they scored against us is their lowest total point total on the season and um in addition to that you know we we wanted to try and and do our best to keep their offense off the field you know and we said let's go back to our power run identity a little bit and a little back to our a little bit back to our two back offense and we kind of wanted to start the game like that and see what it gave us and so we did, um, and it gave us a lot. And, you know, so we said, well, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Let's trot that identity back out for the second series. And so we did that, and it worked again. And so we kind of just ended up staying in it. And at that point, you know, there wasn't really a whole lot of, a whole lot of sense to mixing up something that was functioning. They, they weren't really able to stop it. And the one time, really, they did stop it in the third quarter, we fumbled on, on their side of the field. We had carried the ball from – our 10 to their 35 or their 40 and the ball popped out that was a turnover and then they stopped us once on downs in the second half as well but other than that you know we were chunking up anywhere from four to 24 yards um, every time we were running the ball inside the tackles so that was something that we said hey it's working let's let's stick to it uh, Killian and Ty did a great job of you know running downhill hard and and you know hitting their holes hard and um, and attacking the mesh with with speed um and then there were just some fantastic extensions of runs you know tyler had a couple of really really nifty little cuts um his on, on one of his long runs to start the uh to start the third quarter um and killian had a couple of just great feet moving extensions of runs his second or third touchdown was a, a b gap run that was plugged out he bounced it chipped to the outside took it to the pylon and it's a really cool one to watch on film. He's kind of going to the ground and you can see him extend the ball out for the pylon and get the touchdown. So there was a lot of effort and uh, our offensive line. I mean, anytime you, you know, you, they have to get better. Um, some of our runs were a product of, of less than quality defense, but you know, anytime you run for 430 yards, um, your offensive line had a decent day. 
Yeah, well, I was going to say they must have done, uh, you know, they, they got, they, they did the blocking that was necessary to create the holes that, uh, you know, Tyler and Killian Yeah, ran we through. were running a lot of guard pull stuff. And so Sam Segarian and Caleb Henman, especially senior captain, and Ryan Noon as the center, those guys had themselves a really fantastic day. And uh, I know the stat that you like when you send me the weekly stats. You've got this column for bull yards, and about <laughs> half of the rushing yards from uh, from Tyler and Killian came in the bull yard. I got 185 here, according to what you uh, yep. you gave, uh, which is which actually turned out to be about half of each of their their yards that they ran for. Yeah, I so mean they, they, they were the they were really yeah. consistently finding extra yards. You know, whether it was a, a, a nifty cut on a backer closing down or a safety closing down um, and making that guy miss and then extending that run, um, which was really what Ty was doing a lot of. And um, and Killian was just keeping his feet moving and, and was doing a great job of, of just driving pile and, and not going down. Um, and so we were really happy to see that. Right, and one of the differences uh, between this game where you get 28 points and it's enough for a win, you go back the prior week, we'll talk just really briefly sure. about the Arlington game, uh, which, of course, you know, I'm reading the recap on that game, and I was I saw, I was actually uh, made it to the Arlington game, so I saw some of this. I mean, you guys were, were fighting hard, and you, you had some really good drives. I think it was just a case of, you know, some, some inopportune turnovers. I guess there's never, yeah. such, never such a thing as an opportune turnover, <laughs> unless it's by your defense or, or special True. teams or something. But uh, otherwise... Uh, you know, yeah, I mean, so you guys were moving the ball effectively, but, you know, unfortunately turning it over, and you were able to avoid that in the Cambridge game. But if you want to talk for just a minute or so or whatever about the about the Arlington game and maybe how that in some ways could have kind of gave you some momentum going into Yeah, no, Cambridge I mean, match. obviously we weren't satisfied with our performance against Arlington. I mean, that's a good football team, ended up a playoff football team, lost a tight one to Bill Ricker in the first round, so we knew we had our work cut out for us going on the road to play there. Um we had a great first drive, you know, to open the game, um, pretty much taking it uh, down the field and and uh, and scored, um, I believe. That might have been our second drive, correct? I, I think took it our was, first yeah. drive, Our first drive stalled out. Um, we were pretty frustrated about that correction. Our yeah, first you drive got an stalled interception. Out. Uh, uh, yeah. Well, our first drive stalled out on downs, right. and then we picked the ball off, and we got a short field for the first time. Mm-hmm. Uh and we went down the field and, and, and we were able to score first. Um, so, you know, we were, we were excited about some of the things that we were able to do on offense. I mean, I think against Arlington, you know, we, we, hit, we hit well it for like 17 receptions, over 100 yards. Um, I thought George threw the ball really well minus a couple of balls. Um, our offensive line protection was, was okay. Uh, it needed to be a lot better. Uh, we just really weren't able to get the, get the run game going the way that we wanted to. So we weren't as balanced as we wanted to be. Um, and we had some tough turnovers, man. George threw a seam ball that got picked off. Uh, Cullen made a great pick from his linebacker spot. And then we had a, a ball in the end zone that we needed to really put towards the pylon, um, the back pylon, and we left it hanging over the middle, and the kid was over, able to come down with a pick there too. Um, so, you know, you can't turn the ball over. Uh, that maybe is a little bit of a tighter game, a little bit of a different game if we're able to retain possession and, and not shoot ourselves in the foot. Uh, all credit to Arlington, you know, and we had to, we had to play better defense that game, and and we didn't. And statistically, too, that game was kind of the inverse of, of the uh, the Cambridge game, where a lot of your yards came uh, passing. Uh, George Fitzgerald had a had some solid numbers: twenty six yeah. for thirty six, three hundred twenty five yards, three touchdowns, a couple interceptions. You'd probably like to avoid those, but and, and you only ran for fifty seven in that game. So in that game, you kind of stuck with the passing that, that worked well, and and uh, actually, uh, a well it as you put it, scored, got all three of the uh, offensive touchdowns. By the way, I want to point it out: second show in a row, I've noticed you keep calling them well. 
Wellett. Yeah, the, Will the Ellett. Portmanteau is you. That's uh, yeah, the Portmanteau. Yeah, there you go. So uh, I, no, Wellett. I mean, that's. I'm a, amazed I knew that. That's a great nickname. <laughs> you know, I mean, his name's Will Ellett, so Wellett kind of comes naturally. I mean, yeah, it's just a question of kind of you know, I think offense in a lot of ways is is taking what a defense is going to give you. You know, and so we thought that Arlington was going to give us some stuff through the air. They were a little bit stouter up front than than we were, and they were blitzing pretty heavy on us. So, you know, we said let's try to get the ball out quick and let's get the ball out to the edges. And I mean, I think that was a a pretty functional, pretty functional offensive game plan. I mean, we moved the ball well. We had a ton of yards. You know, and we just got to not turn the ball over. <laughs> and and again, we we do that, and those offensive numbers, you know, they look a little bit better than they actually see him on the scoreboard so yeah. and we got to play d sure well and then obviously you were able to do that uh, against cambridge or is there anything else from the cambridge game that we're kind of forgetting here uh, the cambridge game or the arlington game? yeah well, well we're done with talking arlington oh, okay we'll cool. get we'll get back to the cambridge game and i just figured is there anything else here maybe we didn't uh i don't know if we kind of covered everything from that game or anything else that anyone else who stood out in that game that maybe we you know deserve some props uh, um you know, we had a big fumble force by uh, Dewan Moore forced a big fumble, and Justin Rocha hopped on it. Uh, Ryan Noon had a big sack, led to a fourth down and a and a, a stop. Uh, and Dewan had the interception against Arlington. The Dewan week before, had the interception so, yeah. against Arlington. His defensive so play, uh, two turnovers there yeah, in two weeks uh, yeah. that he's involved in. So those guys definitely get a shout out. I mean, I thought we played defense with a lot more emotion against Cambridge, um, a, a greater urgency, a greater need for physicality. Um, Mitch Pereira got in on the offensive side of the ball at fullback and brought a great sense of physicality, a junior in his first varsity start. Um, but, you know, that kind of carried over to our defense, and we had a little bit more of a desire to hit and a little bit more of a desire to get after the quarterback and, and, and get after ball carriers, and we need to build on that, um, you know, and, and take that into Burlington next week. Well, there you go. You just—it's uh, good, perfect segue. Uh, let's talk about it. Burlington back to the Middlesex League yeah. again. Although obviously they play in the Liberty Division, you don't see them uh, quite as much. So uh, yeah, you yeah, know. they're in the Freedom. Oh, I'm sorry, we're, the Liber- we're in the Liber- Liberty. I always remember by uh, Liberty Large. Right, LL, right, Liberty, right. Liberty Large, the Large. Yes, we're in the, we're in the it right. Belmont. Too. Yeah, it's it's weird because yeah, I guess Belmont is just barely in the Large. It's kind of yeah, it's it's really sort of a no. We're we're it, it's all numerically based. It, right, really. it's based so, on students, yeah, right? Yeah, but, we're numerically uh, where we're supposed to be. Okay. Um, so yeah. yeah, talk about Burlington this week uh, and uh, what you what you know about them. Obviously, you don't play them every year anymore, like the old. No, days. we're we're excited to get a chance to play Burlington. We played them last year. Um, in the consolation rounds too, uh, in a in a really physical ball game which we won, but had to hang on to win. Uh, got a little chippy at the end, and and um, we kind of let them back, let them back into it. They had a great quarterback mm-hmm. last year, and uh, Dylan Bonifilo, uh, who's who graduated. Uh, they're a they're a, a talented offensive team. They can do some things. They can move the ball. They can put up some points. I think they have some some defensive struggles. I see them as a very similar team to us in a lot of ways they're probably a little bit better uh than their record suggests and um they they have offensive weapons and they spread the ball out and they have no you know reluctance to 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 get after those those weapons and to and to get the ball into the guy into those guys's hands um so we've got our work cut out for us you know they got their first win 21 20 against revere to get off the schneid for themselves. So, you know, they're going to be hungry coming in. Uh, we got to go over to Burlington to play them. That makes three road games in a row. So, you know, at least we're kind of getting into the habit of, of clocking in our road game. Um, but they're going to be a tough competitor. They've got some good athletes at the wide receiver position and, and uh, uh, some quality running backs. So, 
you know, we're going to have to do a, a solid defensive job to keep ourselves in the game, and we're going to have to execute on offense and, and do what we did on, against Cambridge, not necessarily in terms of running the ball, but minimize mistakes, you know, and, and do things to keep us in drives as opposed to doing things to take us out of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, quick, uh, any injury updates here? I noticed uh, last week I didn't see uh, Adam Deese anywhere on the, the score sheet or stat sheet, so I'm assuming he's still out. Any update on his return maybe? I mean, um, you know, okay. Adam's close. He's got, okay. a good, he's got a good shot of playing this Friday. Um, you know, we'll, we'll get the final – the final nod uh, tomorrow. Um, so he's got a good shot at getting back into the lineup this Friday, which he's really excited about and, and we're really excited about. It's been a long road for him um, sure. and a tough injury to sustain because it wasn't really a playing injury. Um, it was a goal line set. The play was kind of over and a, a lineman got sort of tabletopped uh, after the play onto him and, and fell on his leg. Um, and that's what did it. So it's definitely been a frustrating uh, injury for him. And for us, but he's done a great job of staying clocked in and being mentally positive and working with some of the younger guys. And, you know, if he's good to go on Friday, he'll he'll hop back in there. And if he's not, you know, we he won't. Um, so we're we're not really a team that wallows in losing a guy. Um, it's definitely a hit. And and more importantly, I think there's kind of an a uh, you feel for a guy like that. You know, you feel for any kid who gets hurt and isn't able to go out there and take the field and, and play. Because um, at the end of the day, that's what we want to do. We want to get our guys out on the field and play. Um, but from a football perspective, you know, it's, it's always, we got 50 guys on this team. We got 60 guys on this team. Who's the next guy on the depth chart? And let's get that guy ready to go. And we've been doing that for the last couple of weeks. And if we have to do it for another, we will. Well, to your point, though, you know, a senior captain, too, makes it even maybe a little... Uh you know, tougher, and, and obviously, you know, he want to see. I, I'm, he wants to finish his career on the field. You, you, you would like to see that. Absolutely. Uh, Health wise, uh, with everyone else, pretty good shape here. Everyone's yeah. good to go. And yeah, we're okay. in good shape. We're right. we're healthy. I mean, we're we're in as good shape as a as a team is. You know, through eight weeks of a football season. So, you know, nobody's healthy. Um, no, well, right. In, Relative in terms of being healthy. Yeah. I mean, that's that's eight weeks of football plus you know two weeks of. Two yeah. weeks of the preseason, and and you know we play in the Middlesex, and it's tough physical football, you know. So um, guys are where they where they normally should be um, sure. going into going into week nine, um, but nobody you know nobody has struggled. A lot of guys are sore, uh, but nobody has any major structural injuries or anything like that. We're 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 good and healthy and ready to go. Right, and of course with the win behind you last week, I mean you know from a mental standpoint, I guess you guys are you know and the team itself is feeling a little more upbeat. Yeah, you know, I mean, again, I think, like, one of our goals is to keep our emotional attitude towards our job the same. You know, uh, I, I, at the same time, we're human beings, so there, there's inherent emotionality into anything that you do. It's, it's a lot more fun to go out there when you're winning than it is when you're losing, that's for sure. But the attitude to the job shouldn't change, you know. And, and I've, I've said it a number of times, you know, people kind of, we're in this, we're in this losing skid or whatever we were, and, and we're definitely not performing to the level that we thought we were going to be able to perform. Um, so obviously that's disappointing and people kind of come up and they, and they grab me on the shoulder and they say, how you doing coach? Are, are you okay? And I say, yeah, I, I'm fine. I mean, I'm a competitor. I want to go out there and win. But at the end of the day, I mean, I get to go out there and coach ball every day. And for those of us who get to be on a practice field and for those of us who get to stand on a sideline and for the kids who are involved in what it is that we do, you know, there are positives that come out of, every practice and positives that come out of every game and positives that come out of every minute that you spend getting to be a part of this sport. You know, 
whether so you take for example uh, Mitch getting the opportunity to start at fullback you know and he was laying some cracks he was he was getting in there and and getting physical with guys and and that gave us the sense of emotionality this kid hasn't stepped on a varsity football field throughout the entirety of his career at Belmont he's a junior in week nine you know week eight that was his first varsity start he played three and a half quarters for us so when this kid came home you know and we're sitting in the locker room breaking down and we're calling calling guys out for performance, which we do every game, win or lose. You know, here's here's the bad and here's the good, and here are guys who deserve some credit for doing some things. You know, Mitch gets that shout-out, and the and the locker room goes nuts. You know, it's 60 guys who just kind of pile on this kid, and his, his grin is going from ear to ear, and he's the one who's breaking the huddle down at the end of it. And so for me as a coach um, – you know, yeah, I'd prefer to be 11 and 0 and go to a Super Bowl and win a state title um, every year. But at the same time, there are these types of moments, you know, where you get to see somebody who got a chance to do something that he wasn't sure he was ever going to get a chance to do and to succeed at it. Um, and moments like that, you know, little inside jokes that the happen on the victories. practice. Yeah, yeah right. they're not even. I wouldn't even they're, call them yeah, victories. Right. They're just they're just moments. They're yeah. they're good organic moments and moments that you have with your coaching staff and you know moments that you have with guys on the sideline in between periods or you know staying after a period to work a technique with a sophomore who's learning something. You know, in my mind, there are you can coach for as many different reasons as you want to. Uh, but for me, to be perfectly honest, I, I coach for those moments above all else, you know, because at the end of the day, those are the moments that people are going to they're going to remember um, when they grow from from adolescence into adulthood. And for us, our goal is to create quality, positive men who go out into the world and do quality, positive things. Um, if we wanted to just coach for wins and yards and touchdowns, we'd all would have GA'd out of out of college and gone and been college coaches, um, which isn't to say that those guys aren't focused in the development and the growth of their guys too, but there's something that's different in high school where you get a kid at 13 and he leaves 14 and he leaves you at 18 and kind of goes off into the world. You know, you have a really great opportunity to make a, to make a mark on that kid. And that's one of the things that we talk to our coaching staff about all the time, which is that at the end of the day, if all you care about is, is the field, if all you care about is football, you're in the wrong house. You either need to go find a high school program where that's the only priority, not to say it's not a priority for us, it is. We work our butts off to get better on the field, uh, but it's not our only priority. Um, because if it is, then in my mind, um, and our program cultural identity, we're shortchanging our responsibility uh, and we're shortchanging the young student athletes who entrust us um, every day with their athletic development, but with their social development too. And so, yeah, there have been a lot of tough moments. You know, tough loss to tough loss to Reading, tough loss to Woburn, tough loss to Framingham. You know, games that we felt we really could have competed in and won. Um, and those are tough. There are good moments to come out of those too. To see a kid not get what he wanted in in, in that sort of scenario and come back to work the next day and have a positive attitude and be able to sit and watch film with his friends and work to get better and then come out on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, you know, and work on the practice field to get better. You know, there are positive moments that, that live there, and um, those positive moments warm my heart. You know, at the end of the day, I want to be able to ask my guys, did you have a positive experience playing ball? You know, did you get better as a, as a human um, from playing this sport and, and from playing with us? Um, and, and did you have fun? And, you know, yeah, we were 0-7, but we were going out there on the practice field every day and having fun. 
you know, having fun playing this game. And that, to me, is what one part of what athletics is about, is just a chance for, for guys to go out and play. Um, and you don't need to be winning seven games in a row to get a chance to do that. You know, you see, and you're, I, I know I've said this a few times in our conversations, but see, you're in the ideal profession in my mind because, you know, you have the same approach to coaching that you do in your earlier in the day job. You yeah. know, again, you know, you want to, you, you want to take the fact that those students that you're teaching in the classroom are going to, you know, pick up something or you're going to, they're going to learn a valuable lesson just like, like you do when you're coaching. Yeah. Football I mean, players. I think it's really important and I think it's really important to keep it, to keep it in the front of your minds. And, and I, I hope that there are, you know, a lot of, I hope that, that most of the guys and I, and a lot of the guys that I know do this, you know, aren't taking their guys for granted. And, and I think a lot of the guys that I coach that are, that I coach with obviously here, but a lot of my guys who were friends in the coaching business as well, they don't take their kids for granted. You know, they don't take for granted what it is that they do. And they recognize the, the, for us, what the number one, you know, the top commandment is about coaching, which is, this job is not about you. You know, this job is, is in no way, shape, or form about you. It has nothing to do with you. If you're here to relive past glories, you're in the wrong place. If you're here to exert authority over somebody else, you're in the wrong place. And, and if you're here to be the show, you know what I mean? If you're here to be the, to be the guy, and, and I know some coaches who absolutely are, are this, you know, if it's about feeding your ego – then you're in the you're, to me you're in the wrong business um, because that's not the point to me and and it can be this game is <laughs> can be whatever you want it to be depending on who you are and and I say that you know football will bring out your best qualities and it'll bring out your worst qualities you know it's it's a it's a it's very Proctor esque you know that icy cold wind will blow man it's <laughs> it's you know you're out there and, and and you're 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 laid bare for who you are football will show you what you do in great situations you know do you hoot and holler are you extra exuberant when things are going your way and then it'll show you what you do in bad situations you know when you fail do you pout do you all of a sudden get quiet? Do you lose faith or do you pick yourself up, you know, and, and get back in there and, and get back to work and try and make yourself better? It'll show you what you do when things are unfair. You know, when you don't get a call or you don't get something that you, you really think you should get or when you work for something, and you don't get the result that you can, you know, that, that, that you should get. So there's nowhere to hide in this game. And I'd say that's true for a lot of sports. You know, there's nowhere to hide. And all you're left with is, you know, your own self-accountability. And that's true for coaches. There are times where we have to kind of look at ourselves in the mirror and say, you know, I, I say this to my kids all the time, and I say this is really corny, but it's true that every day at the end of my day I go home and when I'm brushing my teeth before I go to bed, I look at myself in the mirror and I say, Q, were you a better man today than you were yesterday? And sometimes the answer to that question is yes, and sometimes the answer to that question is no. You know, but in asking myself that question, I create – a sense of self-accountability for my own actions and remind myself that, you know, I'm the one who's in charge and I'm the one who's in charge of me and I'm the one who's in charge of controlling my emotional response and my attitude, my approach to my team, my approach to my job, my approach to my family, my approach to my life. You know, nobody else is in control of that. That's my decision. And that happens on a football team and within the context of a football season, hundreds upon hundreds upon hundreds of times. You know, as coaches, we have to ask ourselves that question. 
You know, we came in after Arlington and had a coaches meeting, and then Dave and I were in there until midnight, midnight 30, you know, almost 1 o'clock in the morning because there were some issues that existed that contributed to our start. And if we were going to sit there and say, oh, it's the kids, it's my least favorite line in coaching. Ridiculous. You know, we have to look at ourselves in the mirror and say, what are we doing that is, that is missing the mark? Because there's something. And I think we found a bunch of things in those conversations over the next 72 hours that we were then able to take out onto the field and make those adjustments in ourselves and how we were approaching our job. And I believe that, like, for me, and I'm sorry to go long on this, like, I feel so passionately about it, is that that's, that's growth within ourselves. And anybody who kind of comes in and thinks, oh, I don't have anywhere to grow or, or I got all the answers or I'm always right or I'm always perfect. I'm not saying you, you can't be confident in what you're doing, but, you know, you got to be able to look at yourself in the mirror at the end of the day and ask yourself some difficult questions. And, and football teaches you to do that. And so if that's the one lesson that my guys walk out of this program with, the ability to hold themselves accountable and to honestly evaluate themselves and their performance and whatever it is that they do, then I won. I don't care what my record says. Well, Coach, I mean, as far as I'm concerned, at the end of your day, I think most of the time, I bet you you're answering yes the, over hey, no. you'd be you know. surprised, I, man. I'm not, saying there aren't, I'm not saying there aren't some no's as to whether you, you had it's a good 50, day. It's 50-50. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say at least 51-49 in favor of the All right, I'll take it. I'll take All it. I'll right. definitely take it. All right. Well, uh, good luck this week at, at Burlington, uh, certainly. And uh, as we wrap up here, why don't we uh, have a little fun? We haven't done this sure. in a few weeks. So, you know, do our sports corner. Of course, we kind of teased it at the front of the show. Uh, <laughs> You know, obviously, you know, the breaking news this week, the NFL trade deadline was earlier this afternoon as we're recording this yep. on an uh, All Hallows' Eve. Uh, so thoughts on, uh, yeah, Garoppolo being traded. I have to admit, it it came as somewhat of a shock, maybe more for the timing of it than, than the actual trade of Garoppolo himself. I mean, yep. obviously, I know... You know, the Patriots are coming up on a bye week, so they don't really need a backup quarterback this instant, but they will find one before their next game, I'm sure. Because right now, Tom Brady's the only one on the quarterback depth yeah, chart. Which, which is, is nuts. No, it, it is crazy to think the 40 year old quarterback, Tom Brady. I don't, I don't think but, I've ever seen that. Yeah, I mean, you, well, everything Brady's doing is, is unprecedented. I mean, playing at the level he's playing at for a 40 year old is uh, just crazy. But so, so your thoughts on this trade? Did you, were you surprised by it or just. Oh, you know, I mean, I was, I was definitely surprised. I didn't see them making. I, I I didn't see them making a move to trade Jimmy G in midseason for sure. I mean, I I thought they might make some moves in the off season, um, this past off season. Um, I was I was definitely surprised to to see the move. Um, you know, I I think what I read now is that they're trying to parlay that pick into a D lineman, uh, which they sorely need. Um, you know, a, a good. Well, they can't do it now because the trade deadline right. already passed. Right, it's, it's so, over. But, I mean, I, but that's the rumor was that they were trying sure. to flip that pick into a D lineman. Um, you know, I think, I think two things. I think one is that you know this is a, this is an endorsement of Brady's claim that he's going to play to forty five. You know, I think that there was a measure of reluctance in the Pats front office to believe that. I'm not saying they doubt Tom. He's the greatest quarterback ever. But I think that there is this kind of let's wait and see what it is that he's capable of putting together as a 40-year-old. Um, and that will give us a good indicator of what his future looks like. And I think they see that he can you know, be a top echelon quarterback um, definitely this year and probably for another couple years after that. So that 
gives them some room to play. Uh, Garoppolo is a bargaining chip and a great one who is only going to decline in his value as he sits on the bench behind Brady and gets older. So I think there was a little bit of that that worked into it. Um, I am (laughs) – again, I have this conversation. My neighbor, Scotty, who is like my sports converser, we hang out on the – you know cross paths in the driveway of the front porch or something and, and talk mm-hmm. sports you know um bill knows what he's doing i've said it a million times you know bill knows what he's doing bob knows what he's doing and we all kind of can hop on here and second guess and there's a lot of people going what are you doing trading garoppolo like like we have some sort of inside track knowledge there is a plan there's a season plan. There's a next season plan. There is a five-year plan for personnel development. And somehow this fits into that. They knew that they had this as an option in their pocket going forward to the trade deadline way back in the offseason. This wasn't something like, you know, Kraft and, and, and Bill woke up, you know, yesterday and said, hey, let's make this trade. This was something that they were pondering and they were thinking about for a long time. Well, I'm glad you brought up Bob Kraft because I do think he had an awful lot to say in this particular move because – You know, I I mean, there is some speculation out there that Belichick, who is trying to create his own legacy, and perhaps maybe he wants to see if he could maybe win a championship, you know, after Brady retires. And, of course, I know that depends on when Brady is going to retire and he's playing at this level. But the fact is that Belichick... You know, there was again. There's the speculation out there that maybe he would have tried to move on from Brady, and you know, Garoppolo was there. And of course, the way the contracts were timed right maybe. now, right? The way the contracts were timed is at the end of the season, Garoppolo was a free agent. The only option they would have had would have been to to you know sign him to an extension or slap a franchise tag on him and try to work out an extension. But in doing that, you might have been having to pay him more than Brady. Yep. I know there was talk of a bridge contract for Garoppolo that maybe he'd sit on the bench for a couple more years. But you know, when he's upcoming up on free agency he's probably looking at it well why do i have to do that i want to play and i'm going to get the money anyway from somebody i mean i I just think i have a hard time believing that there's that like friction you know i don't know if it's friction but i just i I would say that base disagreement you know i i I don't know but Kraft might have had the final final but he doesn't bill has all bill has final authority but on this one, there might be some exceptions, and Brady would probably be the exception. Like, like maybe Kraft is thinking, you know, Bra- I want Brady to finish Bill, as a Bill doesn't strike me as a guy who is going to get complete control over player development and, 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 and you know, no. general manager of, of player personnel title minus this one guy. You know, he does not strike me as a dude who's going to say, okay, I'll take all of these 52 players, but this one player – you can do what you want, Bob Kraft. Uh, I, I, and I don't. Kraft also doesn't strike me as an owner who would do that. So, I mean, I haven't read those stories. I've been out. In the, no. I've been out in the field for the yeah. last, you know, four. four well, and even half if hours. you heard, the interesting thing is this afternoon, uh, Belichick had a little uh, one of those like telephone press conference yeah. things where he just made a few comments. Typically, Bill's pretty tight-lipped when players go yep. out the door. He was singing, doing nothing but giving a few. I read. I read for some Garoppolo. of that. I think and he likes he, him. He does, and he was talking about the fact. That I guess he was meeting with him every week throughout the season, mm-hmm. and that's maybe a little rare for a backup quarterback. I mean, with your starter, it's one thing. I but, mean, I definitely you know, think that. I definitely think that Bill saw Garoppolo as the quarterback to replace Brady. That I definitely And then Brady think. messed that up by being by great being at 40 years old. <laughs> I think I think he definitely right. saw saw him as that. I mean, yeah. Bill drafted him. He was a homegrown product, you know. This is this is our guy. Um but I I don't see that as mutually exclusive with, you know, he and 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 Bob 
Kraft kind of coming to an agreement about what Garoppolo's future with the franchise was going to be. I don't know whether it's a good trade or a bad trade. I mean, they'll pick somebody up um, to back Brady up. Um, Could and, be Brian Hoyer, who was apparently yeah, and uh, I mean, waived by the 49ers. Yeah, Bill <laughs> – Bill's always old Bill's Fred. Always, but I mean, Bill's always done a great job of that. You know what I mean? Like he's he has done a great job of taking guys who might not otherwise be, you know, the most talented and successful guys at other places and creating Patriots. Yeah. You know, and creating guys who fit a role within the structure and the system that he's implementing. You know, and so I always think that guys overperform when they, for the most part, when they come in here and, and play. Let me just close out with this then, Coach. You know, you're saying Belichick's always looking ahead, and I'm totally in agreement with you on that. He's looking at the big picture, the long-term yeah, picture. Yeah, dark lord, man. When he drafted Garoppolo in 2014, he was probably thinking to himself, well, this contract's up after four years, and we'll have to renegotiate. But by that time, Brady will be 40, and he'll oh, probably yeah. he'll start showing signs of decline. Not when, you know, obviously, you know, this is in the back of his mind. I'm not saying he didn't think he, Brady couldn't still win Super Bowls, but maybe he was thinking there'd be a little drop-off I in thought his performance. That. I mean, I think I thought that. Did, Everybody right. thought that. You know, Brady will get to 38 to 39. And he'll start falling off, and he'll do the Joe Montana thing, and he'll and, go finish his career right. in another program. He'll play two years, and then he'll retire. And the transition is seamless. And that's the transition. But I, but Brady messed up the transition because he's still performing at the level he is. Yeah. And so now Belichick was sort of faced with, uh oh, well now I got to do something because I'm going to run into these cap issues. Yep. Because remember, it's Belichick the GM versus Belichick the coach. Here. And the cap and issues, you know, the cap issues were a big play. Yeah. I mean, I think that was, I think that's a big contrary play. to some talk show hosts, they are legitimate issues. I no, mean, I mean at a, the end of the day, you. At, at the end of the day, yeah. there, a there's a cap, but right. at the end of the day, you have to decide: Do I want to pay two starting quarterbacks? Yeah. You know, do do I really want to do that? Or and, does Kraft want to pay two? I mean, well, Kraft Bob not, right. definitely doesn't want to pay two starting <laughs> quarterbacks. But you know, you got to make that decision: Do I want right. to do I want to pay two starters, right. or do I want to let this guy go and grab some kid? You know, which they will do either in the draft or as an undrafted free agent, or you know, I mean, it would be nice to have Jacoby Brissett right about now. I mean, I think he's a great quarterback, yeah. um, but. Yeah, I, I think that they had this long-range plan. The long-range plan didn't work out. They realized that they were going to have to shell out a lot of money and kill their cap space in order to retain both of these guys into Garoppolo's renegotiation, even with the franchise tag. Like, franchise tag, but then the extension is going to cost you money anyway, so that buys you a year. Um, and they had to make a tough decision, and so they made it. And, and you know, I mean, uh, we as fans uh, – for me it's really weird because obviously in high school football – I'm not a fan, you know, in, in that aspect of my football <laughs> right, well, life. Coach, right. and, and, and then, but obviously for professional football and college football, I'm, I'm a fan. And so, you know, we can kind of, we sit back here and we pause it and we ask all these questions about, you know, why would you do this or why would you do that? Or what was the goal in doing this? What was the goal in doing that? Um, and, <laughs> but then I kind of think back to like, well, you know, not to say that I have to make cap decisions because I don't, but. We have to make really tough decisions too, and and you got to make them. And there, you know, you have two guys who are, you take it for us, like you got two guys who are really equal. You know, they're very very close to each other in terms of performance. At the end of the day, we got to decide on who's going to start. You know, and somebody's going to be disappointed, and somebody's going to lose out. We have to make that decision. So we sit down, we talk about it, we make the call, and we live with that call. And there's no you know this luxury of like, well, we don't. Th that luxury doesn't exist. I don't have the luxury of well. You know, I got to make a decision and that decision has to go and I have to live with that decision and I have to own that decision as mine. And so, like, I see a little bit of that. Like, they're in a rock and a hard place. They had to make a call. They weren't expecting Brady to be as good as he was. They weren't expecting to have, to have this contract 
debacle or, or this money debacle a little bit, and, and they made a call. You also have the luxury that I'm not as hard on you on this talk show. No, as, as like God, my, no. As like sort of the folks on sports radio. I'm telling Boston. you, man, those guys are – I mean, and I listen to 98.5 <laughs> yeah, you know, every yeah, morning right. going in. You yep, know, I'm a yeah. 98.5 guy, and, and yep. um, I listen to those guys going in, um, and I think they're – you know. Sports radio is such a is a big part of sports. Yeah. Number one. Well, the morning guys aren't as rough as the as the afternoon. No, the afternoon that, that, drive guys are, are 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 bad, man. A couple of pit bulls there, um, but, uh, <laughs> but you know, like sports radio is a yeah. big part of of sports, um, and especially in Boston, mm. you know, where our fan base is so invested, you know, in our teams and so invested in these athletes. So I would say some people are way too invested um, in these teams and these athletes, and that's what kind of creates makes us the best sports city in the country, you know, is, is what you do in Boston matters. You know, what you do in Boston matters, how you perform in Boston matters, the decisions you make in Boston matter, you know, it's, and that, and that's always fun. You know, I mean, even again, like not to say again, take it back to the high school level, but like even hearing people chirp is fun because it means that they care. You know, so when people are like, oh, why'd Q do this or why'd Q do that, which I'm sure they do. I mean, I don't hear them, but I'm sure that they're that that goes on like that's great. That means that you care about our team and you care about our success and you care about what we're doing. And, and I'd rather have that than have nobody talking. Right. Well, bringing this, bringing this back. Yeah, you're right. No, I agree. And bringing this back to the Patriots again, you know, at the end of the season, it was going to be that great classic sports debate. Do you, you know, nah. do you re-sign Garoppolo and do you say goodbye to Brady? I think you and I, though, as, as Patriots fans, I think we'd like to see Brady play his whole career here. And if it means that maybe you missed out on the next, or maybe, I don't know, okay, you can disagree I'm with me. very cold-blooded. Okay, so you're like Bel. Well, of course, you kind of model yourself as a coach I, after I, Coach yeah, Belichick. I, so you- I, I would have... I would have gone with the youth. So you would have moved on, and you would have let him finish out his career wherever. If he wants to play four, three or four more years, let him. Do I don't know. I would else. have. I mean, I'd, I'd like to say I would have evaled, you know, mm-hmm. and I would have taken an honest, critical evaluation of the guy's performance and made a decision for the best future of my franchise. Which but we I, assume Belichick's done. But here, I like. also, yeah, which I would assume that. But like, I also like, I'm professionally like, I'm really cold. I don't de- like, I don't develop personal attachments. You know, like it's like the IT thing, and everybody's like, "Oh my yeah. God, IT! He's the yeah. heart of the Celtics." M- me, I love IT. Yeah, I love the guy. I'm sitting there. I'm like, Kyrie's better. Big difference in the pantheon of the entire Celtics history and franchise. IT is a blip on the radar, whereas Tom Brady, is in the, the entire is, scope of the history yes, of the Patriots franchise, is the guy. He's responsible for any of the championship. I mean, the only yes. championships they've ever won. He's he's yeah. I mean, and that might be the case after he leaves too. They may never win again. And I, I, oh, I will, come on well, now. That's a hot take, Bill. That's a hot take right <laughs> there. Bill's take. Bill's got Bill's got never he's again. got a lot oh. more years in there, man. He's not going anywhere. And Kraft's gonna no, leave. No. Kraft's gonna leave the franchise to Jonathan, and Jonathan's gonna yeah, he's yeah. gonna keep Billy around. So, um, <laughs> well, you know, no, I think I think Bill's gonna decide what he wants. That's to a go. really good point, though. I mean, I I I I definitely you know, but like. Even a guy like Paul Pierce, you know, like Paul leaving and going to Brooklyn to end his career, you know, I'm not, I don't create a great sense of emotionality there. Um, I don't have this burning need for Brady to finish his career in New England. He will forever be a Patriot. He'll go into the Hall of Fame as a Patriot. There's no other team that can lay claim to this guy, even if he goes and wins it, you know, pulls a Peyton Manning and wins a Super Bowl somewhere else, you know, I mean, Peyton Manning is a Colt. Yeah, no, I'm I sorry. Know. He's not a Bronco. Right. He's a Colt. You know, right. Tom Brady's going to be a, he's going to be a Patriot now and forever. You're right, but it's such the rarity now in professional sports that a player begins and ends his career 
with one team and yeah. doesn't go anywhere in between. But you know, that's the <laughs> like, you know, I say Scotty says that too. You and Scotty should get together. Scotty says that too. And my response to Scotty right. always is like, you know, he's like talking well, about Well, tell Scotty he can call us I'm on gonna have our, to have our TV call show in. on Wednesday nights that you know Cause, what I do. Cuz he, you know, do that. we were talking about <laughs> it in terms of like NBA free agency and salaries driving up and these guys yeah. asking for big money. I'm like, but that's right. the market. And he's yep. like, "Yeah, I know. I go, dude, don't hate the player, hate the game." Mm. You know, that like that's the structure of professional sports. That's the pressure on these guys to win and to win every year, you know? And so the luxury, the, the, the talent pool is so much broader. There's so much more parity than there was 20 or 30 or 40 years ago in all of the sports across the board, except for maybe basketball. Um, and that creates pressure on GMs and coaches to field their best team. And so these allegiances to the old war horses who brought you to your glory days, I mean, Bill has allegiance to Tom. He, I, I guarantee you, Bill loves Tom Brady. He loves him. He will cut him. He yeah. will move him if, if he believes that it's going to put him in a better this position. This goes to my theory that, you know, it wasn't, you know, if it was up to Bill, maybe he would have done what you said. Maybe. Maybe he would have stuck with Garoppolo and just said, you know. I mean, you know, at take, some take point in chances, time, but. you've got to make the move. Right, but ne- but the problem is now they have to draft and start and develop all over again where you had three and a half years invested in the development of Jimmy Garoppolo. True, now but I mean, I also scratch. say that, like, there is Belichick so... might even be doing a Danny Glover going, I'm getting too yeah. old for this. You there's know, like, not, yeah. there's, I don't think so. Not yet. He's not there. There's <laughs> so... It's a great reference, though. <laughs> yeah, there's, nice. there's so much... There's so much talent coming out of college yeah. that... You know, yeah, you want to, you know, you want to get that marquee guy. You know, you want to get like a Mitch Trubisky, or you know, what I mean, you want to get like a Deshaun Watson or something like that. And the argument too here is that you know, the whole Brady Belichick marriage. Everyone says, well, maybe if Brady was under a different coach, he wouldn't be quite as. In other words, Belichick makes some of these quarterbacks good too, perhaps. I yeah. Mean, you know, maybe the next guy. You know, maybe he made Garoppolo look good, and maybe the next guy they draft. I mean, under he won his with Matt Castle. Yeah. Right. And yeah, Matt exactly. Castle's mediocre. Yeah. I mean, well, that's a mediocre quarterback. Sure. He went to the playoffs with Matt Castle. Sure. Yeah, you know? absolutely. No, he like, actually didn't. No, oh, they, missed, they missed that Did year. they miss that year? They yeah. won nine games They won year? 11 games 11 that games year, that and year. they lost on a tiebreaker thanks to stupid Brett Favre, but that's another, oh, Brett another story Favre. for another day. No, I yeah, mean, right. so I, I don't know. I mean, I think that part of it, part of Bill's attitude has always been like there's always talent. You just got to find it, you know, and, and so he's – I think there's nobody better in the league than the Patriots at finding talent in guys that don't seem talented and i think they're so role oriented you know where they're like this is the job that you're going to do for us and this is what you do whereas i don't think as many other teams in the league do that you know they're looking for multifaceted guys bill's not looking for a multifaceted guy he's never been looking for a multifaceted guy defensively maybe but offensively he's looking for you know a guy who can fill a role this is what I need you to. Yeah, but he do. likes guys who are versatile too. I mean, you does know, he? You, well, I don't know. Someone versatile like, oh, Rex how? Burkhead. I mean, he can do. He can line up in all different spots. Yeah, on but the that's line not. Yeah, thing. he can do that. But that's not like that's a scat back. He's he's a scat back. He's not. He's not a two back eye power. He's not Corey Dillon. No. You know, he's not a Robert Edwards. You're not going to line him up in the deep set and feed him the ball between the tackles, you know? But I think he likes the versatility of the sense that, like, you know, you're later in the year and you're starting can, to get like, depleted like, by injuries. Yeah, but, like, he can, now he can plug people in to Yeah, sure, but, like, where... what but what what plug is happening? I mean, those guys are, you know, they're they're either playing mostly in – How about like, Matthew sing- Slater lining up a wide receiver a few times? Uh, I saw it last week, you know. I'm not saying that's his best role. I'm just but saying But, like, he's they, not very good at that. 
No, I, well, true, <laughs> but like right. that's not his role. His role is to be an all pro special. His role is to be a special teams yeah. player. That's what sure. he's there to do. Right. You know, and so like even those guys, you know, like James White and 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 Burkhead, you know, their role is, I mean, his power guy right now is Gillisley. Yeah. You know, Gillisley, and and, yep. and these other guys are you know flexing out and going out to the split and motioning out to the slot and. You know, I think that's kind of always been Bill's Bill's attitude. I'd argue now with all the, the, the talent and versatility with the running backs that they have, they ought to try to maybe incorporate more running into their offense, and uh, maybe that means Brady can stay upright a little longer too because I know he's been getting hit a few more times. Yeah, these, there's been there's been some – Dante Coach Scars has had his work cut out for him this year. I, I yeah. like our offensive line. I actually think they're – relatively talented offensive line and and my man joe tooney has made me eat my words you know i didn't think he was going to be a great nfl player like how you dropped an r in there that's a, like you know our offensive line we're yeah. not talking about the belmont offensive no line we're that you not actually coach i do where you could call line. them our offensive line oh. you were talking as joe fan i there, was i was or, i was talking know. i was talking about joe fan as, as <laughs> joe pat's fan there, <laughs> there you go. um i'm just i'm such a big fan of of Skarnecki. he can do yeah. no he can do no wrong sure. as far as i'm concerned no. he's, he's fantastic it's amazing how many coaching staffs he survived through it Skarnecki. Skarnecki is the best football coach. I'm going to go out on a limb and say Dante Skarnecki is the best positional football coach in the NFL bar none. I don't think there's anybody. How else can you last 35 years in one? You know, I don't think there's anybody better. And if you ever get an opportunity to clinic up with him and and see him live and talk football with him, which I've had the opportunity to do a couple Mm. of times at clinics, um, he's so accessible, man. It's you know, I, I I went, I saw him speak at a at a at the Gillette Clinic at the Massachusetts High School Football Coaches Association Clinic. Um, and he gave a talk on O-line drill set. And I, it was like watching Michelangelo paint. You know, it's like watching just, a, a, you know, Richard Wright Right. It's just watching somebody who's so suited to what they're doing sure. show you what they're doing. And then he stayed for two hours in the breakout room with us afterwards. There were like four of us who stuck around. And we were just feeding him questions, and he was answering all of them, and he never, you know, seemed like he was rushed or anything like that. And then at the end of it, he gave us his card, and he said, if you have any questions, you just you shoot me you shoot me an email. Sometimes I'm not great with the email thing, but I'll, I'll get back to you. And so, you know, like a couple weeks into that or after that or whatever, a month later, I forget, I, I was like, you know what? Let's see what's up. And we were trying to scheme something up in a zone scheme or something like that. And I said, you know, he gave me his card and he said email him and he'd respond. So let's put that to the test and see if he's blowing smoke like most of these guys probably are. And I shot him an email. And within 48 hours, I had this great response to my question and like a couple of drill ideas that I could use and all of that stuff. And like, don't hesitate to email me, coach, if you have another question. And like. How many guys in the NFL as positional coaches are going to do that to a time I was probably 25, you know, 26-year-old mm. positional high school coach in Massachusetts, you know, um, asking him a question about how to drill my offensive line. It was just really, really cool. Yeah, he's is. so that's good, a, Todd. It's, it's that's amazing. A, that, that's a cool no, that's a it was cool, a cool story, story. A question. I also like the way you said, if, you, if you're ever coach, you know, like I'll become a football coach next hey, week man. so I get a chance to go to one of these camps go and start, see Coach Scar. I always, I, always tell, I always tell people, man, like uh, if, you, if, you, if you love it, give it a shot. You know, and, and, and especially if you're somebody. What do you think I'm doing with these top No, but like even like people who are up in the stands, you know, like if you love it, you know, go out, go out there and, and, and give it a shot because it's uh, it's harder than it looks. 
Um, sure. it, it really, oh, it really so. is. You know, it, it, football's and, an intricate game, no question. Everyone's got to be eleven people on the field. They'll have to be in sync at the, for you know the same time. Yeah, I mean, I think one of the you things know. that a lot of people never really recognize, and we're going way over, but it's a really cool conversation. Is that no, like, and I did want to touch base with you on the Celtics too. Oh, but sure. Finish up your thought is, here. Is so. you know the X's and O's and like the football aspect of coaching is probably thirty percent of what it is that you have to do. And the rest of it is building relationships and developing relationships and problem solving and juggling and time management. You know, we're not a college team that can go out and practice for three and a half hours. We have state restrictions on to practice length and practice type. Um, We don't, you know, we don't have 110 kids, so we're not two platooning. You know, guys have to play both sides of the ball. So, you know, mm-hmm. when we work, a, you know, a, a skill set, you know, we can't send the defense to go work something individually. We don't have 14 coaches either. You know, everybody's got to coach two positions. So, you know, we can't send the defense over to go work indies on that their side of the field and send our offense over to work indies on our side of the field. You know, we've got to decide what our priorities are week to week in terms of what we want to practice and what we're going to work. We have a limited amount of time to do that. we got two and a half hours. You've got two and a half hours. You've got to get through dynamic flex, specials, two individual periods, two run group periods, two pass group periods, a team, a formational install period, you know, and conditioning. And you got to find a way to, to make all of those things kind of go in your practice plan. And then on top of that, you got to juggle fields, and who's getting the turf that day and what side of the turf you're on if you're sharing the turf and who you're sharing the turf with and are you on the grass and if you are on the grass you know what are your limitations blah 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 so like that's that's 70 percent of the job sure i i want to put a pin in this because i i can't believe i just used that phrase but (laughs) no because i usually don't ever say things like that it's not doesn't sound like me at all. But I, I do want to, like, save some of this because I, I think we're going to talk more about this next week because sure. you actually just made me think of a bunch more questions, but I do want to save it for when we're back to kind of cool. talk in BHS football mode because right now I do want to get to the Celtics only uh. because when we last talked, it was two weeks ago, and the Celtics were about to play their first game. I got into my car after our interview, yep. and I, I apparently got into my, I got into my car a little late, so I uh, turned it on, and all I'm hearing is, like, all the recap as to what happened in the first five minutes. Yep. And I'm like, so... Ugh. Oh my my goodness! The, the, I I went and had uh, after I left here. I went and had obviously dinner. we're talking about Gordon Hayward. Gordon Hayward. Those of you who don't I went and had dinner with my ma. Just, um, yeah. We went to that new place in Belmont Center, Asian restaurant Shine, which if you haven't been to, is absolutely yeah. fantastic. Okay, I'm a I, I we're connoisseurs. You give it five pot stickers. I give it five pot stickers. Whatever. I don't know. They do <laughs> all sort. Their menu is so broad. There's Vietnamese on there. There's Korean on there. There's some Japanese food on there. There's some Chinese food on there. Well, my apologies. They probably don't even have pot stickers. No, they do. But they've they've got. But they have a serious <laughs> dim, right, they have I a will... serious dim sum selection. So oh, you gotta, okay. You gotta have your game face on. Um, Fine, but okay. So I went. I had dinner with my ma. I got back home about eight twenty, and turned the TV on and go. Well, I missed Gordon Hayward's entire season, so yeah. that sucks. <laughs> no, I like. I mean, talk about. And you know, I know you love talking Celtics here. Yeah. So I mean, just I'm fired up about this Celtics but, team. Man. Yeah, I was gonna say since then. I mean, it looked like things. You know, at that point, that the season was gonna turn calamitous, but. All they, of a sudden, five straight wins here. They and... are fun to watch. 
And well, right, and I guess the silver lining with the Hayward injury is now Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown and these other guys are getting a lot more minutes. Yep, they're going to have to grow up. Yeah, and it looks like, I mean, you know, it's only been a five-game winning streak. Got a but, long way know, to go. Right, but, you know, they are growing. So, yeah. I mean, I like, I like this team a lot, and I think that, like, you know me, I've been a huge Kyrie fan since this yes. was even in the works. Like, IT, I love you. See you later. Give me Kyrie <laughs> right. Irving. Well, uh, you know, and I'll, uh, yes, to that, too, uh, the parts of games I've seen so far. I mean, just some of the stuff he's doing. His just... versatility as a basketball player is amazing to me. And I heard something on sports radio the other day that I will echo because I think it's true, is that um, Al Horford's a very cerebral basketball player. There really wasn't another cerebral basketball player on the roster last year. Like cerebral. Interesting. Okay. Kyrie yeah. is a he's wickedly smart. Like the flat Earth thing was just an yeah. act. <laughs> so you think that's why those two have been clicking really well? That, so that that rhythm, and now you've got that big kid Baines, and you've got the other uh, man. I always forget his name. The other big, uh, the other big white Tice. guy, Tice. Right. You've got Baines and Tice playing true fives. This is fl- now. Hey, now Horford is is able to really kind of play his game, and his game is diverse. And the chemistry that's developing between him and Kyrie, I think, is really something that's special. And it's just fun to watch, you know. And Kyrie is like, I don't know, man. He might be the best passer I've seen in a Celtics jersey. I'm hard-pressed to think of anybody who passes the ball as well as Kyrie Irving that I've seen in my lifetime. And I'm going to try, you know, Bird. Maybe, yeah. I was gonna, Bird. I mean, that's yeah, it. Right, that's, right. I mean, that's who well, else? Yeah. I mean, right. In our lifetime, certainly. Uh, I you know, mean, who are you know? Because I only go back to the Bird era myself. Yeah. So I mean, I where are you go? Uh, you know, yeah, where are you going to? Like Kuzi? <laughs> you know? Yeah. I mean, well, right. I mean, I'm sorry, you know. but I, I have a feeling that if like Bob Kuzi stepped onto a basketball floor in 2017, that he might be in a little bit of trouble. Uh, I, I think <laughs> so, but that's not his own fault. That's not his fault. Father time, I think. Great. No, I don't mean now. I mean like Bob Kuzi in his prime, stepping out onto a field and or onto a court in 2017. Game's changed, man. Oh, yeah. So yes. much faster, so much more athletic than it sure. was. And and I just – I don't know, man. I, I love I love how he shoots the ball. I love how he takes it to the rack, and I love his speed. But I love how he passes the rock. And if he can bring this out of Al Horford on a night-to-night basis – because last year, you know, and, and really, yeah, through the regular season, I mean, we've seen Horford kind of at times just sort of like Fall take away. games off. Yep. Yeah, I mean – But, man, I but saw – 11 rebounds the other night. They need more of that because that's Horford what they were lacking Horford is quietly one of the best bass. He, I saw well, that dude at Florida just rip it up, man. He's a right. ball player. I've liked Horford. I love but I just, I, there, That's what makes it kind of frustrating at times, you know, prior to this season watching him is just that they're – you know, during the playoffs, he definitely stepped up his game, and yeah. I love that. Yeah, no, and, you know, I remember him when he was with the Hawks and tormenting the Celtics. But there's so much more set. There's so much more set movement. You know, there's so much more cut and screen and roll and get down into gray areas. And I felt like a lot of the times with IT and Smart and Crowder, and Smart's still there, obviously. I'm not a huge Marcus Smart guy. Um, That there was – it almost felt like offense by improvisation – you know what I mean? And I just don't feel like that's good offense. Like, there needs to be some measure of improvisation. Basketball's a fluid game. Things are moving. Things change. But Brad Stevens is a fantastic basketball coach, and he's really good at creating set play. And now he's got two brains, like real genius-level basketball brains in Horford and Kyrie uh, directing this thing. And I'm just seeing a lot more quality set offense 
And man, can we push the ball? Like I, outside of it last year, he could push the ball, but I mean, Kyrie can bring the ball up the floor in a flash. Tatum can bring the ball up the floor. Brown can bring the ball up the floor. I mean, these guys are flying. We got a little bit of a fast break offense that we haven't, we haven't seen something like this in a long time. These guys can yeah. move. I'm fired up. Now, whether or not they're good enough to beat the Cavs in the Eastern Conference Finals, I don't know. And, I mean, it, again, we're all just playing for second place anyway because the Warriors are going to win, So, right. which is what really stinks about the NBA in 2017. Well, again, you know, we don't know. I mean, maybe there's an injury sure. there or something. You know, something happens. You know, the, the other thing I've been impressed with with the Celtics is their defensive play, too, yeah. because I thought after losing Avery Bradley and losing Jay Crowder, and it felt like they lost all their best defensive players, and it was going to be hard to – to replace them this season, but it appears the defense is actually, I mean, Smart's still there, and he's good. Yeah, but, he's a good defensive but, basketball But everyone player. else has also been pretty de- yeah. good defensively. I've, I've been pleasantly surprised about that. I, so. I think, again, having having some presence in the block, I mean, these guys aren't like Dikembe Mutombo down there or anything like that, right. but like having some presence and some size down there in the block really makes a big difference. And and it, it, it just it gives, I think, Stevens a lot more versatility in terms of his defensive set and approach, you know, you can you can trap with with a lot more ease now. You can really mix stuff up, you know. You can go out there and 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 pin things on the sideline and pin things at the three point line a little bit more, knowing that you have a kind of a stout presence inside. Um, so I think that plays into it too. Um, and again, like I'm not trying to keep hyping Kyrie, but there's like this, there's just this energy that comes with this guy. You know, this like we need to get out on the floor and we need to put energy forward and we need to win this game. And that's what we're going to do. So you're either going to get on board or you're going to go sit down over there and somebody else is going to come in who does this because that's the level I'm playing at so far all the time. And I I haven't watched Kyrie, obviously, in Cleveland as closely as I'm going to watch him in Boston this year. So I'm sure he's going to have bad nights. Yeah. You know, but um, as of right now, I haven't seen a night where he's like not competitive. And that's pretty cool. You know, he's always competitive. So I think they're in for a great season. Yeah, and you talk about Kyrie being cerebral, and and you're seeing that with Horford. You know, hopefully when Hayward returns, I mean, it seems like he might kind of fit into that mold too, although I don't know. We haven't – neither one of us have really seen him play a lot. No. He he kind of – he feels like maybe he's that kind of player. I mean, this team with Gordon Hayward is out of control. Yeah, I mean, I mean now it, it could be right, especially with those other two, and then maybe yep. you get them. That could be a legit big three. That's like a, a no, that's a where... that's a legit big three. And now we're now we're talking about I think the capacity to compete against you know the King and capacity to compete against against Golden State. Yeah. Um, but I think they're doing a great job of dealing with that not happening because that's what everybody anticipated. I mean, that's what they were trying to build. I think so. Sure, we'll see. Yeah, no, it, it's definitely going to be fun, no question. By the way, I know this would fall before your time. Uh, you know, we're talking about like in your in your lifetime, but I, I heard Greg Popovich last night was comparing Aaron Baines, the uh, oh, one yeah. of the guys, to Dave Cowens. To Dave he, Cowens, which is quite a compliment. And then they asked I mean, they asked Baines, uh, "What's the difference between Pop and Brad Stevens?" Did you hear his answer? No, what? Because one's older. <laughs> <laughs> well. Good answer, I guess. That's a great answer. Jeez, I wonder if Baines ever found that barbecue joint he was looking for too. I know he was taking <laughs> suggestions. I'm gonna take. I'm gonna send him an email because Bub's Barbecue in Sunderland, Massachusetts, in the summer. Oh, I've heard of that place. Oh, I've never goodness. been. Oh, oh my goodness! Okay. Wow. Listen, all you can eat sides. Bub's from Florida. He winters in Florida, but he comes up to Sunderland in the summers. When mm-hmm. I was out at Northfield in high school, that's where we went okay. constantly. I have no, never. No, I mean I'm from that area. I have never had never, barbecue in the yeah. north. Like Bub's Barbecue in really? Sunderland, Mass. Oh, boy, I'm going to have to seek that one out. No sure question. Will. 
All right. Well, you know, as we wrap up, as we wrap up our uh, week of BHS football and uh, sports talk, just a reminder: all of our podcasts with Coach Q can be found online at BelmontMedia.org/podcasts and also on SoundCloud.com by searching Belmont Media. Listen at your convenience by downloading the free SoundCloud app, available on both iTunes and Google Play stores. Links to our weekly interviews with Coach Q are posted on Facebook and Twitter. Again, just a reminder: become a Facebook fan by searching Timeout for Sports Talk. Our Twitter handle is at TOSTBMC. Coach's Twitter handle is at Q underscore Coach. And uh, Marauder Football, that's at Marauder F-Ball. So until next week, for Coach Q, I'm Todd Bloniers. We want to thank you once again for checking out the TOC, TOST Toddcast right here on the Belmont Media Podcast Network.